turn in Scripture <laughs> to Hebrews chapter 10. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can use one of our house Bibles that's there for you. I'm actually reading out of the Bible that's there in front of you. We're on page 1066, Hebrews chapter 10, page 1066. Uh, we'll start reading in verse 11, so actually 1067, if you're keeping track. But Hebrews chapter 10, we'll start in verse 11. My very first trip that I took to Guatemala was with a Happy Feet mission trip. We've done several of these as a church, and many of our congregation members have participated. It's a sweet, wonderful way to do a mission trip. Happy Feet is what it's called. And uh, what we do is we travel uh, to one of these Central American countries. We've done Guatemala, we've done Nicaragua, and we've done Honduras. And we stay in a nice place, a comfortable place in a city. But every day we travel way up into the mountains, into these rural places where there's a lot of poverty. And we take with us hundreds and hundreds of pairs of shoes and socks. And there's a church in each place. We partner with a local church. And they've already gone around to these small villages and communities and let them know what day we were going to arrive at an elementary school or a certain place so that we could, one by one, wash the feet of each little child there. And then we could... <laughs> Just tell me what you want me to do. You want me to, put my, you want me to put, turn this one back on? I'll leave it on. Y'all can. Y'all have control. We'll go to these remote places, these rural places, gather up all these children, and then using from that local church that we're partnering with, the church that's in the city uh, and has all kinds of amenities and a big youth program, we'll partner with one of those, and all the teenagers from that youth program will serve as our interpreters uh, for us while we sit down with a child and an interpreter, and one by one we wash their feet, uh, and some of these kids don't have shoes, and some of them have very hand-me-down shoes, uh, and all of them just have some rough feet and a lot of cuts, and we'll We'll wash their feet and gently clean them up and put a brand new pair of shoes and socks on their feet. And then we'll give them a salvation bracelet with the beads, the colored beads. And then bead by bead, we'll explain to them, one child at a time, over and over again, all day long, uh, for a whole week, we'll explain to them how, though we've all sinned, Jesus came and died for our sins. Amen. He rose again. He has washed us clean. And he does this for anybody who believes and repents and comes to him. And he, he did this for them too, and that Christ loves them. And it's such a special trip to go on. Well, the first time I did this, we had on our day off, and you can't share the gospel over and over again for hours each day without needing a day off. So in the middle of the week, we took a day off, and we went to some Mayan ruins that were there, and just kind of went and did some touristy things. We did some little shopping things, but then we went and toured these Mayan ruins that had been there uh, for quite a while. And, uh, you know, nobody had used them for a long time. We read the signs. Uh, we read the signs that, you know, this is where they used to have ceremonies and do sacrifices and things like that. And, you know, surely no longer anybody's doing it. And certainly there at the ruins, it's not. But I've always been something of an adventurous person. And so when I see a path, I like to walk down it and figure out what's going on in the woods. And so uh, me and a, uh, a friend of mine from the church, we, we went and walked down this little side path. We saw a little stone column over there to the side, so we went into the trees a little bit, and at this stone column, uh, there was a lot of melted candle wax. There were some empty whiskey bottles. It was clear that somebody had been worshiping, uh, even the night before, uh, in the way that they worship those old Mayan gods. 
Even more, we walked down the path just a little further and went around a big tree and surprisingly just came up upon two people who had lit a fire there and had a chicken with them and were about to make a sacrifice to some false god and they didn't know and we decided that the right thing to do was to get out of there quickly and so we left there was i mean it, there was a dark feeling these these seemed they seemed like just nice local farmers but it was just a, such a dark spirit and we 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 left and then we left the ruins and we we went and got gone that day but for the last days of that trip, I tried my best to explain to every child sitting there, now that I understood, these children up in these very remote mountain villages, who some of these kids didn't know Spanish even, they spoke Kechi, Kechican, or Kechian, uh, the native Mayan language that they grew up with in these remote places, uh, that sometimes we had to have a, a local interpreter, so I would share with the child, then my uh, Spanish-speaking student from in town would translate into Spanish, and then a, a local pastor up there in the mountains would translate into the, that native language. And I tried my best I could with all of them, since I understood that they knew about sacrifices, to tell them when we got to the red bead, Christ's blood sacrificed for us. Again and again say, this is the last sacrifice anybody ever needs. It is finished. There is no need for further sacrifices. Christ is the one sacrifice for all times. Amen. And I can't read this passage that we're talking about today without thinking about it. As the writer of Hebrews is writing to the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, about why they are no longer offering sacrifices, about how the priest would have to offer sacrifices day after day, and it never really absolved them of their sins. And once more, the priest had to do it continuously and continuously make sacrifices because the priest was a sinner, because the people were sinners. But then Christ came, and he made one sacrifice, Amen. once and for all, Amen. for all of us. Let's pray, and let's read scripture together. Father God, I am so thankful that you would gather us together today, that you woke us up, that you got us up and got us here to worship you. I'm so thankful that we're here in the presence of your spirit with, with the rest of the congregation around us, with your word in front of us. And I pray that you would teach us so that we could worship you. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. Now every priest stands day after day, ministering and offering the same sacrifice time after time, which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He is now waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. Amen. Happy Easter, y'all. <laughs> what better news is there than this? Amen. One sacrifice was necessary for everyone forever. You 
Dear Christian who have once believed in Christ but then had more sin in your life, even sin this week, I tell you that one sacrifice of Christ is sufficient for your whole life and the life of everyone else around you. Amen. This is all that was necessary. I want to I read you something. It's verse 14. And I'm just going to tell you before I read verse 14, it's too good. It's just too good. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. It's too good. Who are we that God should be so good to us, so gracious to us? Perhaps you struggle to believe this. Perhaps you live your life walking around, trying to make atonement, wandering around, trying to do good to make up for the bad that you did the day before. Having sinned, then you don't turn to Jesus, but perhaps you try to just do something right. Make it to church and attendance to try and be okay. Perhaps you are like the Incredible Hulk from the 1978 Incredible Hulk television series starring Lou Ferrigno. You guys remember this one? The live action one from 1978? Let me just tell you, I don't remember this one. That was before I was born, all right? All right? You're welcome. There wasn't a Wishbone episode about it. I don't remember that one. If it helps you out at all, my mom liked this series a lot, all right? She told me about that. 1978, the Hulk, in that particular one, the live action one, where Mild Manor Bruce Banner would turn into Lou Ferrigno, painted up in green, uh, the big baldy building Hulk, simply wandered around the country trying to make absolution. He always ended sadly at the end of the episode, having to wander on from whatever friends he'd make, always trying to make things right for what he had done wrong before then. And it's entirely possible that you live your life this way as well. I'm just trying to think about what you need to do in order to make right the stuff that you've done wrong before. Let me tell you, that's not Christianity because Christianity is this. By one offering, he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. If you are Christ's, you are forgiven. Amen. We do not need to go on making sacrifices over and over again because that one sacrifice was good enough for all of our lives. Amen. Happy Easter, y'all. This is the good news for all of us. And what's more, after he did this, what did Jesus do? He sat down. What does it mean that he sat down? but that the work was over, that it is finished. Amen. This might seem like nothing to you guys, but it's great rejoicing for me. Uh, I have encountered a, uh, a new uh, line cook at my local Waffle House who <laughs> knows how to get eggs perfect. And again, I'm probably a little too pretentious about my eggs. I just I like to eat a lot of scrambled eggs. I like to eat a lot of fried eggs every different kind of way you can imagine, and not just chicken eggs. I mean, if it's an egg, it's for me, and I'm in on this. I, I, I'm a little too deep into this. But I, I know exactly how much a fried egg should be cooked. <laughs> the yellow should be all runny. The white needs to be cooked all the way through. I know. Yeah, can I get an amen? <laughs> I know. 
what do I have to order? Do I have to say over medium, over how hard? Now <laughs> leave it in there longer. How long do I have to say to get the whites all the way cooked? But if I'm eating some scrambled eggs, I want them just a little soft. I want it to be just a little runny. You don't have to cook it all the way through until it's dried out. Just leave me a little bit of sauce uh, to the egg, all right? Tell me this is the right way to do this. But this, this new guy at Waffle House, he's like the Jacques Pepin of that Waffle House. Uh, this guy, if he, this guy, I mean, you know, middle-aged, probably in his 60s, an excellent mustache. He looks like he's never missed a NASCAR race since 1982. <laughs> and, uh, and the man knows how to make eggs perfectly. But I tell you what, while he's working there at the griddle, he does not sit down because the work is not completed. You never sit down when you're there at work. And you know what happens when he does sit down? He's done. He's finished. You sit down at the end of your shift because it is over with. There are no more eggs to be cooked. You sit down when the work is finished. Let me tell you, Jesus made atonement for our sins and then he sat down at the right hand of God because it is finished. There is no more sacrifice to be offered. He has done all of it. And so he sat down in glory. And so he is today. Though God, he is with us as God. He is also sitting on his throne in glory, ruling. Because there's no more work to be done for our salvation. He has already finished all of it. Do you have trouble believing this still? I've got great news for you. Verse 15. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. For after he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after those days, the Lord says, I will put my laws on their hearts. I will write them on their minds. And I will never again remember their sins and their acts of lawlessness. Amen. Now there, where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Do you have trouble believing that God is as good as he says he is? you ever have trouble believing that God cares about you as much as he says he cares about you? Do you ever have trouble believing that God is as patient as he says he is patient with you? We have scripture proclaiming this in certain terms, that it is true. But even so, we also have the Holy Spirit, verse 15. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. For he says, and this is Psalm 40 he's quoting. You might remember it if you were here a week, two weeks ago, because he's quoted this several times, the writer of Hebrews, Psalm 40. That in that day I will make a new covenant with them, and the covenant I make in those days, the Lord says, I will put on their hearts, I will write it in their minds. It's no longer on stone tablets. The covenant is made with us. The covenant is made with us because he has given us a new spirit, his own spirit, that testifies within us that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Holy Spirit who is with us now, helping us to believe. We read this morning at the sunrise service uh, from Luke chapter 24, the passage called The Road to Emmaus, where after Jesus' resurrection, there are two disciples and they're going home sad. They left everything to follow Christ. But then he was killed and crucified. So they're just, what do you do? They're going back to their lives. I mean, imagine you left your business. You left your boat and your fishing nets. You left everything to follow Jesus. And they crucified him. What do you do? 
They were walking back home sad. They were walking back home arguing over things because they had heard some of the women who were disciples and followed Christ. They had heard them saying that they went and the tomb was empty and that an angel had told them that he is not here any longer because he is risen. And they didn't know what to make of it. They didn't know what it meant. And so they were worried. And then Jesus appears to them there on the road. Jesus arrives. Jesus is disguised, Scripture says. So they don't understand who this is. And Jesus says to them, "Uh, what are you guys talking about? And they say, who are you? How do you, how do you not know about everything that's been going on in Jerusalem? What kind of, how far away have you been traveling in from that you haven't heard the news? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth, we left everything to follow him, and we thought he was the Messiah, but they crucified him. And then Jesus tells them, starting with Moses, and then the prophets, going through the whole Old Testament, Jesus explains to them from all of it how Jesus Christ our Lord had to come and suffer and die and rise again for our sins. When Jesus disappears from their sight, the disciples say to each other, they realize it was him, and he disappears, and the disciples say to each other, how could we have not known it was him? Weren't our hearts burning inside our chest when we heard him speaking his words? This is the same for us. Christ speaks to them there on the road, and their hearts are set ablaze. Their hearts are on fire to hear the word of the Lord. I tell you, God is still with us doing the same thing. The Holy Spirit in our lives, that when we hear the word of God, and a part of us wants to say it's unbelievably good, it's too good to be true, but aren't our hearts set on fire by the Holy Spirit to know that God is the God he says he is, and that the Holy Spirit is testifying to us that God really is that good. Verse 18. Now, where there is forgiveness of these, that is sin, there is no longer an offering for sin. It is done. It is finished. One of my favorite hymns to sing about this, though it is more of a Good Friday uh, hymn than an Easter Sunday hymn, is the old William Cooper. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilt and stain. He has done it. There's nothing left for us or need for any of us to do anything else but to trust him and to turn from our sins and believe. We often think of these as separate things, turning from our sins and believing, but they're really not. If you believe, you'll repent, and if you repent, it's because you believe. So I say, who here today will turn away from their sins? There's no work we can do to make our sins right. There's no atonement we can offer. There's no do right 12-step program for you to get you on the right track and start making amends and better things in their life. Yes, for those who you have hurt in life, you should apologize and go and do what acts of kindness you can. But there's nothing to set us right before God because Christ has already done everything that is needed. All there is for us to do is believe. And if you believe, then believe with your legs and repent. If you believe, then believe with your mouth and turn it back to Christ with all of your life. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is why we get so excited 
And this is why we get done up in bright colors on Easter. This is why any of it, because it's all true. I want to know, how do you celebrate Easter, friends? How do you celebrate it? How is one supposed to celebrate Easter? I can preach you the gospel, and week after week, as we've been going through Hebrews 7 and Hebrews 8 and Hebrews 9 and now Hebrews 10, hearing about how Christ is the better temple, Christ is the better high priest, Christ is the better sacrifice, Christ is the better Moses, Christ is the better all of it, his new covenant is better than the old covenant. All there is for us to do is rejoice, but how can we celebrate this news? What can we do? How can we celebrate? How do you celebrate Easter? Well, I mean, how do you celebrate any holiday, right? There are other routines and rituals. There are things you do for them. How do you celebrate on Halloween? Candy, lots of it, yes. How about Labor Day? What do you do to celebrate Labor Day? Yard work, clearly. <laughs> That's what the Labor Day is for, it's for some yard work. How do you celebrate the 4th of July? You listen to Lee Greenwood and you blow up a piece of America with some fireworks, right? But you have to be listening to Lee Greenwood to do it right. How do you celebrate Martin Luther King Day? You have to barbecue. This is an important part of this. How do you celebrate Thanksgiving? You go around the table and talk about what you're thankful for, and then you eat like you're a starved pilgrim, not going to make it through the winter. <laughs> so you celebrate Thanksgiving. How do we celebrate Easter? Well, I have good news for you. Scripture gives us the answer. Verse 19 marks a turn. From the There's nothing else to say after verse 18. Sins are forgiven. Amen. The sacrifice was already made long before we were born. This is how good God is. There's nothing else to say about it except for us to say, what can I do? Lord, what do you want from me? I believe. I'm in. How can I celebrate? What can I do with my life now? There's no offerings or sacrifices of atonement for us to make so what can we do the author of hebrews has us answered here verse 19 therefore brothers and sisters since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of jesus he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain that is through his flesh and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. And let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together, as some are in a habit of doing, but encouraging each other all the more as you see the day approaching. Amen. How do you celebrate Easter? This is how you celebrate Easter. How do you celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord? It is printed right here with us. What is the first thing that we do? Go to Christ with confidence. Amen. Go to Christ boldly, the passage says. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have the boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Christ, let us do it. Now, boldness here doesn't mean 
As some people enter into a place boldly, like they deserve to be there, like they need to be the center of attention, like they're kind of a big deal, and everyone needs to pay attention to them when they walk into the room, and if everybody doesn't pay attention to them, they're a little upset about it. No, no. Rather, boldness means we go with certainty that God wants us there. You might remember, by way of illustration here, you might remember Queen Esther, who is told by her uncle Mordecai she needs to go into the presence of the king and ask for grace for the people of Israel that they will not be killed by the evil Haman. And she says to her uncle Mordecai, but anybody who goes into the presence of the king without being invited gets killed immediately. That's the end of it. This king is not going to take people just coming in any time. And so anybody who comes in without an invitation is killed. And Mordecai says to her, Will you go or somebody else will go, but the Lord will deliver his people? The question is, are you going to be a part of what the Lord's doing, right? It's, it's a beautiful passage in Scripture. We might think the same way about God, terrified to enter his presence because this is the living God and we are unclean people. But I tell you that today you can go into the presence of God with boldness, Amen. not because you're a big deal, but through the blood of Jesus. That's how we enter into the presence of God, through the blood of Jesus. He has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain. You'll recall that the curtain in the temple to the holies of holies was torn in half when he died. Well, now we go through a curtain, but it is his flesh, through his blood, through his flesh, sacrificed on the cross, this passage says. We go into the presence of God since we can, brothers and sisters. Let's go boldly. Not with arrogance about ourselves, but trusting in Christ, which gives us the boldness to take whatever is on your heart and take it to the Lord today in prayer. Let nothing slow you down. First of all, what are we going to do? How are we going to celebrate Easter? Let us go to Christ with confidence, with all that we need. Second, hold fast to your confession. So verse 23, let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. Amen. Dear Christian, what is your confession? Let us hold tight to our confession. Our confession as Christians is that Jesus is Lord. You might not have gotten a chance to join in with that or know what I was asking the congregation, though you may be a believer, so I give you a second chance. Dear Christian, what is your confession? Jesus is Lord. Well, listen, hold fast to that confession. Hold tight to this confession without wavering. Sometimes we waver about our salvation. We feel the lack of assurance about our faith because we know what's in our hearts. We're sinners. But let me tell you today, if you could lose your salvation, you would lose your salvation. You are, in fact, a sinner. You've esteemed yourself correctly in this situation. But listen to this. Hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering since he who promised is faithful. The reason we can hold fast to our confession of faith that Jesus is Lord, that our sins are forgiven, is because he is faithful. If he has said he's going to do it, it's going to be done. And so if he has said, of all those who come to me, I will not lose one, well, then we can hold fast to our confession. 
because he is faithful. If he has said, if everybody is, whoever is faithful to confess, I will be faithful to forgive, well, then we can hold on to our confession because he is faithful. It's never about us, and it's not in our hands. Go to Christ with confidence. Hold fast to the confession of faith. What else are we to do? Think about one another and how we can stir each other up towards good works. Verse 24, let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works. It's entirely possible that you know how to provoke people, right? Just saying, by personality, not mad at you, but it's entirely possible that you just know how to provoke people. I think we all probably do know how to push a button here and there, right? Especially people you're really close to. You know which thing you could pinpoint and say and provoke them. I had a roommate in college who, this isn't a part of the sermon, but it's worth talking about. Uh, <laughs> a roommate from college, he had the girlfriend who was back home a couple hours away, and he, we were freshmen in college, and he was like, how do I keep talking on the phone to this girlfriend every night? I have nothing left to say because he's a normal guy. And he goes, one, one week, he says, Jordan, I figured it out. I know, I know how to keep a conversation going with her as long as she wants to talk on the phone. All I gotta do is pick a fight. And then we can have a fight for a while and then you know, make up at the end of it. And, out. and so I would sit there in the room pretending to study or trying to study or just watching TV. And, uh, and I would hear Travis say you know, something. He would just provoke. And then for the next hour, this discussion finally punctuated by, no, baby, I love you more. No, no, I love you. No, I love you. He figured out, he knew how to provoke. It's neither here nor there, but I love that story. Let us watch out for one another to provoke, to provoke love and good works. Dear Christian, now you who know how to provoke something, how to evoke an emotion. Here's your job. Here's how you celebrate Easter and the resurrection of Christ. Look for how to stir up each other or to provoke each other towards love and good works. How to say, come on, friend, let's do it. How to say, hey, I want you to try something with me. Hey, let's go do this together. You know what it's like, perhaps by way of analogy, to provoke somebody else to work out more? You know what it's like to say, hey, I think I'm going to go try walking, jogging a 5K. We're going to go do this 5K together. You want to do it? Let's stir each other up towards good health, which is always a great thing to do, by all means. You know how to stir people up towards, in that way, yes? Well, now, let us take that and apply it to our faith. Stir them up towards good works. Hey, I'm going to worship the Lord. You want to come with me? Come on, let's just go. Let's see what happens. Hey, I'm going to go watch this Christian movie together. We're going to go try Let's just try it. Come, come do it with me. Hey, you know what? I've never, I've never been to Sunday school before, but I'm going to go to Sunday school this week. Do you want to come? Let's go. Let us now, we who know how to provoke, let us provoke each other up, stir each other up to good works, to joy, and provoke each other to love more and more. You know, this is part of parenting. This is a lot of what parenting is for those of you who are raising kids or grandkids or even just a part of this going on. You might feel the need or the urge to say to a child at some point, do what I say, not what I do. Because you know this child has watched you do what is wrong. This is, of, as you already knew, not good parenting although it provides you with an opportunity for good parenting because nobody is born knowing how to repent 
and apologize. And one of the things your kids, your, your kids are going to see you sin. It's just going to be the way it is. Eventually, your kids will see you lose your temper. They'll see you get angry. They'll see you talk out against your spouse. They're going to see you sin. Use that as an opportunity to let them see you apologize and repent. Let them learn from you how to say, sorry, I was wrong. I'm going to work to not speak out of anger again. I'm sorry, I was, that was not the fruit of the Spirit, self-control, and that was not the fruit of the Spirit. So I'll repent. But then all the more, recognize that in all the good that you do as parents, you are to be stirring up your children to good works and to love. Let them see you love your spouse so that they can know what joy it is to love your spouse. Let them see you stay faithful year after year through all kinds of hardships so that they can know that's what the good life is. Let them be stirred up by your example to what good looks like. Let them be stirred up, not simply because you dutifully came to church, but let them be stirred up to see you joyfully worshiping with the congregation. Let your life be an example for them that stirs them up so that when they get out there into the world and life and start living wrong or straying slightly from the path of Christ, perhaps just like the prodigal son, they will come to their senses and say, what am I doing? I've seen better. I know better. And let your example be something that stirs them up to love and good works, to repentance and to trusting Christ. How do we celebrate the resurrection? Go to Christ with confidence. Hold on to your confession of faith. Consider how you can stir up or provoke other people to good works and to love. Next, he says this, do not, verse 25, do not neglect to meet together as some are in the habit of doing. You simply can't go it alone. I am not here if you are one who's in seasons of life and because of hardships or difficulties, one way or another, whether it's a parenting thing or a schedule for the family or COVID or whatever else that you neglected to meet for a while. I'm not here to send you on a guilt trip today. I'm here to help you to trust that Christ loves you as much as he says he does, and he's rejoicing to see you, putting his, your trust into him. But let me just say, from here on forward, don't neglect to meet together. You, you can't go it alone. Not only do you need to stir up others to good work and to love, but you yourself need to be stirred up and encouraged. And since you need to be stirred up and encouraged towards Christ, you must be around the other Christians worshiping the Lord. You will find, you already know, we all know. You miss a Sunday, you miss two Sundays, that ended up being three Sundays, ended up being a whole season of life, it was a year or more. And you know what your life is like and how it affects your heart, do you not? Let's not neglect to meet together, both so that we can obey Christ in stirring up other people, but also so that we can receive the benefit of being stirred to good works by each other. Whatever thing you need in order to make a connection and be active at church, do it. Come, join a Sunday school class. By all means, they're an excellent source of getting connected to people. Come, volunteer, sign up if you're a member to hold a baby. Uh, we got babies, they need to be held. Uh, come and hold a baby. I love holding babies, it's the best. Come, join the choir. There's a few more seats for you. There's no, <laughs> there's no tryout, just get in the choir. Be missed, find a way to get connected and active. Come, be a greeter. All you have to do is be able to hand a bulletin and smile and say, welcome, we're so glad you're here. 
Welcome home. Find a way to engage yourself so we do not neglect to meet together. And finally, encourage each other all the more as you see the day approaching. Christ will return at the right time and set right all that is wrong. This is our great hope. None of us know when that day will be. But as you understand time, it's always a day closer. We are headed towards him as he is headed towards us. And so all the more, all the more, don't let this season of life be one where you stray from him, but all the more encourage each other to follow him as you see the day growing near. We've had plenty of our people in our congregation who are suffering or struggling with various health issues. Run into plenty of people at all ages, tragically, and unfortunately, who are struggling over serious health issues or having serious surgeries, and they need encouragement. They need, essentially, the spirit finger tunnel. You know, this one, where you make the tunnel between two people so they can walk in and be excited. They need the encouragement. And the encouragement is this, you can do it. Hold on to trusting Christ. The encouragement for them is to endure till the end. Come on, friend, I know it's hard, but you can do this. You can trust Christ till the very end. No matter how this illness is going to end, no matter what happens, no matter the outcome, I, we got this, we can do it together. I'll help you when you need it, but you can endure till the end. Plenty of our friends have done it before us. As the day comes near, amidst suffering, amidst good times, let us encourage one another to hold on to our confession of faith that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let us be the ones to go to each other and say, you got this. The Holy Spirit's got you, so just hold on to trusting him no matter what. Does it hurt? I'm going to pray that God would ease your pain, that God would work a miracle, that God would heal because he loves to do this. But even if he doesn't, hold on because you're either going to be healed now or you're going to be healed then when he returns. So hold on until the very end. How do you celebrate Easter? Go to Christ today with the boldness of a person who believes he has forgiven you like he says he has. Hold on to your confession of faith that Jesus Christ is Lord because I'm telling you, the one who has promised it is faithful to keep it. Consider one another. Provoke each other. Stir each other up. But towards love and towards good works. Do not neglect to meet together. And let us encourage each other. And let us encourage each other and encourage each other all the more as we see the day draw near. Let us do this because he who has promised is faithful. Let us do this because Jesus is not dead. He is risen. Father God, I thank you that you are so kind and gracious to us. I thank you that you are so patient to us. I thank you that it is all true. And so I pray that you would stir us up all the more to trust you.